Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 321 White Collar Pros on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO of 321 BizDev LLC, located in Sacramento County, California. The White Collar Pros show brings a combination of sales systems and business development services to attorneys, CPAs, dentists, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, and real estate brokers in any country where the English language is spoken. These shows will provide some background information in the world of professional selling. If you are a white-collar small business owner and this show addresses a concern or situation that you are going through right now, please do not hesitate to call me at 833-321-3212 or internationally using WhatsApp at country code 1-415-515-6760 to see if 321BizDev LLC can help you find a winning solution. Please subscribe to this Blog Talk radio show, and business owners can also find 82 hours of business content on my website at 321BizDev.com under the podcast link. Please call me if you want to include a 60-second promo featuring your business on a show. We recommend small business owners looking for solutions. Visit our website at 321BizDev.com slash services to complete a questionnaire to begin the consultative process. We hope you enjoy today's show. Make it a great day. Hello, good morning from the West Coast. My name is Rick Napier, CEO, 321BizDev, LLC, and you're listening to the White Collar Sales Pros on Blog Talk Radio, and today is Thursday, March 5th. And uh, today's title of our show is, or the title of today's show is How to Beat Your Competition Using a Sales System. And, you know, listeners, I just want to let people know that something has happened over the last 15 years. Uh, One of two things have changed since 2005 or since the real estate and uh, mortgage, mortgage crisis here in the U.S., And by the way, I just want to say this show is sponsored by Tyco Realty, a leading real estate brokerage and property management company based in Metro Las Vegas, Nevada. And the CEO is Georgette Willis. Tyco Realty Group can be reached at 702-450-2793. Call Tyco Realty Group if you are looking for a top-notch service-oriented property management company, just like many real estate investors around the world are saying. And Georgette has uh, real estate investment clients from from New York City, from uh, countries in the uh, Far East, as well as uh, real estate investor clients from California and locally there in Las Vegas. So I just wanted to make sure I promote uh, the sponsors of of the show first, because it's, uh, it's a new thing for me. And I've was uh, putting the sponsors at the end, so I had to fix that. And Georgette is an awesome uh, real estate broker who's been in Las Vegas for the, for the last 20 years and does an awesome job and is very um, knowledgeable of the Las Vegas uh, market. So like I said, either you know I'm looking too hard at what I'm seeing with white-collar 
small business owners being less proactive in finding new business, or the other thing that could be a possibility is uh, white-collar small business owners have lost their competitive spirit and wanting to be first in their industries. And I just want to let people know, if you want to call in as a guest to the show, uh, the call-in number is 516-387-1745. That's 516-387-1745. So I want to define what a white-collar small business owner is because that's the, the name of the show, white-collar uh, uh, white collar sales pros. So the white-collar small business owner that 321 supports, uh, there are six industries – it's uh, the the attorney law firm, that's one. Then there's the CPA accounting, that's two. Then it's the dental industry. It's plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, and real estate brokers. Not real estate agents, but real estate brokers. We just discovered that there's a big difference in the mindset between the real estate broker, an owner, versus the real estate agent. So our company is seeing virtually no proactive marketing by white-collar small business owners in all U.S. cities and maybe even in countries like India and the United Kingdom because we have uh, spoken with and done some consulting with um, businesses in India, in New Delhi, and we've spoken with uh, some businesses in London and when I say that there's no proactive marketing, I'm not saying that they're not doing anything. There's, there's just a difference between proactive marketing and sort of reactive marketing uh, or you know, trying to just do something just to stay ahead. So I wanted to clarify that. Now, I know I can speak for U.S. cities when I say that there's very little proactive marketing. Because I'm out there, I, I'm, I, we talk to business owners, about 100 business owners per week in pretty much every metro area in the U.S., any, any place from like Boston to in the northeast to Anchorage, Alaska in the west, in the, in the northwest. Obviously, here in California, we see what's happening in California in terms of uh, small business owners, so we see that. Um, then, of course, you know, South Florida, I was raised in South Florida, so I have a connection there. Um, I, I know what, what the thought process is like. I know what the economy is like in, in South Florida, which is booming. And, of course, Texas is, on, it, it's, is its own nation, so to speak, and the Texas economy is booming. So I know I can speak for the U.S. cities. So exactly what am I seeing when I say proactive marketing versus reactive marketing, and, and as we begin to talk about how uh, white-collar small business owners can beat the competition by using a sales system. So what I'm seeing, I'm seeing one- to three-person uh, you know, uh, law firms and CPA practices, meaning there's, a, there's the principal lawyer or principal CPA and they may have two people working in the office. I'm seeing five to seven staff members, including the dentist, maybe two dentists, you know, running dental practices. 
and I'm not talking about the um, the uh, corporate type dentist organizations, the franchise type dental organizations where there's like this corporate headquarters someplace in Nebraska or Chicago, and they have 400 you know dental clinics with the same name in in major cities. So I'm not talking about those particular dental operations. I'm talking about the man or the woman who has their own dental practice. And there's five to seven employees, uh, sometimes less, but five to seven seems to be the norm. And they have a dental hygienist that comes in for maybe 10 to 15 hours per week. I'm also seeing the independent insurance agent who, who works from home or the independent insurance agency owner. And I'm speaking about the, the IMO, the, the man or woman who has like a branch office. And uh, they have um, recruited agents to work in that office. And in that office, it could be 20, 30, 40 people. But for the most part, only like 10% of the insurance agents are productive, making little to no money. And then last but not least, the independent real estate agent or that broker that's a broker by himself or by herself, and she may have uh, you know, one to two agents, maybe four. And I'm not talking about the big corporate conglomerate uh, real estate brokers that have 30,000 agents. And I think one company is based out of New York City, and one company is based out of Texas, and another company – is uh you know I'm not sure where they I think they're based out of Atlanta. So we're not talking about those big corporate conglomerates. We're talking about the independent uh, small business owner, white collar small business owner. So what I'm seeing when I named all these industries, what I'm seeing is that there's not that much growth. You know, everybody's staying small or as they say they're playing small ball. They're, they're doing just enough to keep the doors open. They're doing just enough to, to pay their bills and pay the employees. And not many of these uh, white-collar small business owners are out there striving to grab market share. Now, that's a big difference today as, than it was 15 years ago or maybe even 20 years ago when I was in corporate America. Uh, you know, Back in 2000, like the late 1990s, early 2000s. Small business owners were, were in the hunt. They were like, you know what? I got a, I got a CPA practice, uh, independent CPA practice, and I want more clients. I need, but before I get more, um, well, I want more, more, more CPAs, more accounting specialists. But before I, I add more CPAs, I may need, I may need to add like two or three businesses, you know, or maybe one big business so I can hire two to three CPAs to manage and, and, and uh, serve as that, that company's go-to person for CPA services. That's what I'm used to seeing. But what I'm seeing now is a lot of white-collar small business owners just kind of playing it safe, and they're not going after new business. So when I say playing it safe, that's kind of a hard word to describe when I say playing it safe, because what I'm trying to say is that there's little to no go get them. <laughs> People aren't saying, "Well, I'm, you know, like I said, I want to, I want to add new clients. I want to, you know, I want to 
you know, put that other company out of business. That's the way it was in the late 1990s and the early 2000s. So let me define passive marketing. And I just talked about proactive marketing. And for the sake of this show uh, and the 321 BizDev you know, services, I'm talking about prospecting. I'm talking about contacting and prospecting. That's what I mean by proactive marketing. I mean the, the principal at the CPA firm, at the law practice, you know, the dental practice owner, the insurance agents, the real estate brokers, they're out there meeting people. And we will talk about that particular task at the end. And uh, actually, we don't even, I don't even call that a task. I call it effort. So just remember that word effort. You know, contacting and prospecting is an effort activity. Okay. So let me get back to the passive marketing. Okay, so passive marketing is sending out mailers. You know, you send out you have a mailer campaign that you send out mailers, maybe three to four hundred, five hundred, you know, a month or every other month, and you're sending these mailers out. Each mailer may cost sometimes maybe two bucks to send that mailer. Another form of passive marketing is mainly using social media, where social media is your primary way of uh, reaching out to people on Facebook and, and Instagram, and uh, maybe you have some website marketing where you're paying for uh, to be at the top of the search engine. What do they call that? Pay-per-click? So those are some of the definitions of passive marketing, and passive marketing does not include contacting and prospecting for new clients. So what happens to white-collar small business owners with passive marketing, uh, well, like, like I said before, there's no significant growth. The white-collar small business owner, in a sense, is acting like an employee of their own business. Okay, So when you hire employees for your company, nine times out of ten, they're not thinking about growing the company. They're just thinking about, will I get paid in two weeks? Or am I doing a good enough job to keep my job? See, that's not the mindset that the white-collar small business owner should have. The white-collar small business owner should have the mindset of, I want to grow the company because I'm the boss. The white-collar small business owner should not have the employee mindset, which says, like I mentioned before, that I just want to keep the doors open just to – uh, make enough money to pay my bills, and gosh, I may have some bad weeks, but I may have a good week to recover, but I'm still you know, maintaining the status quo in my business. Um, and one thing I was thinking about before, I was, before the show started, I was thinking about this, and maybe callers uh, can call in and, um, and, and, and give me some feedback on this question. And the question is, Suppose there were four companies all in the same industry, and each of the four companies shared 1,000 customers. So you had company A, company B, company C, company D, and each of the four companies had 250 clients. And each company, because they had equal uh, market share 
you know, each had 250 clients. Each company president took home $10,000 per month, and all the companies were happy. All four companies were happy. They were saying, you know what? Company A was like, well, I'm making $10,000 per month with my 250 clients. You know, Company A looks down the street and sees Company B, C, and D, and they're happy with their 250 clients and they're and taking home you know, $10,000 per month. I'm talking about the owners taking home $10,000 per month. And, of course, they may have employees that are taking home money too, but we're talking about the owners taking home $10,000 per month because they have an equal share of the, of the 1,000 clients. What if – and this is what uh, callers can call and talk about. What if company B says, you know what? I am tired of just having 250 customers and making just $10,000. I've been making $10,000 for the last 36 months, and I am tired of making $10,000. I want to make $13,000, but in order to make $13,000, I have to go and take uh, clients from companies A, C, and D. So how does that sound to uh, listeners? Do you think it's okay for company B to go out and take business when, when a system existed? where all four companies had equal market share. So that's what I'm kind of talking about. So if you want to call in and talk about that, if it's fair, do you think that's like being aggressive when all four business owners are doing okay, making $10,000 per month? So um, again, this, this passive marketing thing, uh, white-collar small business owners acting like employees of their businesses, uh, staying small, hoping to retain the existing clients without losing the few uh, clients on the books, or maybe crossing their fingers that some new technology does not negatively impact uh, the business. You know, And I've heard this from white-collar small business owners before. I've heard them say, oh my gosh, this new technology is coming out. And it may threaten the way that I do business. And my question to that statement is why should technology ever pose a threat to white-collar small business owners? Uh, white-collar small business owners mainly have a people business. So if you are an attorney, a CPA, a dentist, a plastic surgeon – an insurance broker or a real estate broker, those are people businesses. I don't care what type of technology that's out there. Those six industries are people businesses. You can put any type of technology out there. There's no technology that's going to represent a person in court the way an attorney can. There's no technology that can sit in front of a client as a CPA and listen to that business owner's needs, wants, and desires, problems, and challenges. There is no technology that can um, look into a patient's mouth and, 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 and use the experience that the dentist gained in dental school and say, aha, 
I would normally have to do this type of dental procedure, but because I see some bone loss in quadrant four, whatever that means, that means I remember hearing something like that before. Um, I, I see some bone loss in quadrant four, so therefore I'm, I need to do something else. Or what about the, the plastic surgeon that, um, you know, no technology can replace the plastic surgeon and even the insurance agent. Now, technology can't even replace the real estate broker, but we've seen how technology has impacted the real estate industry when real estate industry professionals don't do anything. <laughs> you know, So we're going to talk about that uh, at, at the end. In fact, I have a, um, a podcast that, I, that I'm going to do today or tomorrow, and I may upload to talk about that particular subject. So – you know, white-collar small business owners fearing that technology poses a threat to their, to their industry. What about the years in college that white-collar small business owners uh, spent to get their degrees and certifications and, um, you know, to, they passed the bar. They spent four to six years working at a public accounting firm, and now they're able to go out and practice their you know, accounting and being a CPA as an independent, the years dentist spends, dentist spend in, in college and certification school. So, again, white collar small business owners are in the people business. Okay, and and business owners should not feel threatened by technology because people and people communicate with people better than technology. Communicating with people. So, what happens when white collar small business owners proactively market? Okay, and again, proactively market in the context of this uh, radio show today on the white collar sales pros radio show. Proactively marketing means that white collar small business owners contact and prospect. Okay, so white collar small business owners. Get the get the potential. They get their potential. White collar small business owners get to potential clients before technology, before TV, before radio. I'm serious. You might say, well, how can the white collar small business owner get to uh, potential clients before TV? TV, you know, mass markets to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, they do. And radio markets to masses of, of people, but many of those people are not even qualified to buy. So you got a community, let's say like Sacramento here with 2.2 uh, million people in the metro area, and TV is, is mass marketing through TV or, and mass marketing through radio. There could only be a, a handful of people that even care about that ad. Where when you compare that to the law, the, the attorney who's out and about meeting people you know, face-to-face -face or a white-collar small business owner like a CPA making phone calls to businesses and getting to know right away if that business has a need for that CPA service and if that a CPA is a qualified prospect. See, that's what I'm saying is, is um, white-collar small business owners – 
can get to potential customers way before technology. Okay, white collar small business uh, clients, they're not on social media thinking about spending five thousand, ten thousand dollars, twenty five thousand dollars based on a social media post. We had that show a couple of days ago, and what the 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 myth is, and what the um, I call it the uh, the fallacy of social media and white collar small business owner services. You know, a lot of white collar small business owners think that if they post their product or service that costs you know five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars, that um, a lot of people who are qualified to buy that five, ten, or fifteen thousand dollars service, they're they're seeing it. They're not seeing it. You know, listeners, they're not seeing it because they're at work. People that can spend that can afford to spend five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, they're not on social media. They're out working, making a hundred thousand dollars, hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, to either single income or household income. That's what they're doing. They're not on Instagram. They're not on Facebook. And even if they saw that ad, those ads do not generate interest to get someone to pick up the phone and and and, and call about a five thousand, ten thousand dollar, or fifteen thousand dollar service or product. See, we're not talking about a car. You know, things are things that are necessities and, and vanities. We're talking about services where, like I mentioned the other day, where the where the now factor factor to buy is not that high, you know. So, I live within 90 miles of Silicon Valley, where many of the social media companies are headquartered, and um, and they serve the world. And what I mean by that, um, you know, I went to Europe this past summer, and uh, it, it had been a long time since I since I went to Europe. It's been about maybe 25 years since the last time I was in Europe, and uh, you know things have changed so much. But here's the thing that I noticed: many of the users, many of the businesses, many of the people walking the streets, in the restaurants, in the libraries, you know, at the beach, they were all using products and services or tech technology products and services from Silicon Valley, just 90 miles down the street from me. So that tells me that, yes, technology is definitely around the world and people are using it, but you got to ask yourself this question. How many people are using technology just for fun and pleasure versus how many people are using technology to market their products and services? And mainly we're talking about the – I'm talking about the, the white-collar small business owner, not the Disney, not the um, – uh, what else? Not not the Apples or the Samsungs or you know the movie studios like Universal. I mean they're using technology because that's their only choice. They're using technology because they can't hire sales reps to market you know Universal Studio passes that cost maybe two or three hundred dollars each. So they use television and radio and social media effectively because. Again, television, radio, social media can reach millions of people uh, very affordably. But uh, you know, a, a plastic surgeon, a CPA, a dentist is not 
like a Universal Studio or or an Apple, you know, or an MBA, you know, MBA, you know, organization. They are small, and their market is right here in the local community. And the last part about that, the white collar small business owner has ton has a ton of competition. Like I said, the for social media, the larger social media companies make billions of dollars because business owners talking about white collar small business owners do not know how to find their own clients. The smaller social media companies are in this vicious big bank take little bank story. Now, I've seen a lot of social media companies in San Francisco that are not Facebook, they are not they're not Instagram, go out of business because they they will go to a like a medium-sized business and they will say, you know, we're ABC Social. And uh, we can help your business grow and add new clients. And we're based in San Francisco, and they're talking to a company that may, that may have, uh, you know, 300 employees and may have a market cap of maybe 10 million, 15 million dollars. Means their a- annual revenue is 10 to 15 million dollars. Well, those companies are shutting down those social media companies, and I wish I had the name or the names uh, on my mind. I, I would t- I would tell you the companies that have shut down. Uh, over the last three years, and I'm talking about social media companies that have shut down over the last um, three to four years because they were unable to provide a, a great favorable or ROI to their companies, to, to their clients. And the small business owners, you know, the, you know, the ones that um, who are who are using these uh, both large and small, you know, digital marketing companies, they keep coming back spending money without getting a good ROI because they know their ads look great on Facebook or Instagram. But the interesting thing is there are thousands of other small business owners thinking their ads look great on Facebook and Instagram too. So you see what the addiction is with social media. Um, your ads look great. How many people you know when people used to print or put ads in newspapers they would i remember i i ran an ad in the yellow pages about 18 years ago and it that ad cost me $4000 it was a, a 2 by 2 uh, ad in the yellow pages here in northern california and uh, that ad cost 14 grand and uh, i remember i couldn't wait to see my ad in the yellow pages Guess how many clients I got from that ad? Zero. And the reason why was because my financial services product and service required more than just putting a stinking ad in the yellow pages. It required more than that. It, it required me to do something, you know, with the the millions of people, you know, in the Sacramento metropolitan community, you know, 2.5 million. So. I learned that lesson, and then right after that, Ad Zoom came out, and I recall like thousands of business owners were going to these conventions to learn how to get their websites at the top of the search engine, and they were putting they were paying like three to four thousand uh, dollars to this company called Ad Zoo or Ad Zoom something like that. I didn't do it. I had learned my lesson from the Yellow Pages, and plus I was starting to. Um, just remember some of the things I learned in corporate America about big ticket, high priced items. 
if your product or service is over $500 and Azure products and service price uh, you know, reaches $1,000, $5,000, $15,000, it's going to require personal interaction with uh, your, your prospect. It's not going to be uh, – it's not your, – your, your product or service is not going to fly off the shelf at $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 transaction prices because you have a digital ad. I'm just here to tell people the truth. So what else happens when white-collar small business owners proactively uh, market, meaning what, what did I say, listeners? Contact and prospect for new clients. A growing level of confidence and maturity uh, arise when uh, small business owners learn how to contact and prospect. And so, again, what do I mean by contacting and prospecting? That's one of the core um, training you know, modules in the 321 sales system. Contacting and prospecting simply means you know, introducing yourself to people, and prospecting means after you have talked with that person you know, for a few minutes, um, you can determine if that person is qualified for your product or service. That's as simple as it is, but you know, a lot of people, they don't want to do that because – and we will talk about some reasons why they don't want to do it, but it's just – it's a crazy thing. So um, just think about this for a moment. An attorney, CPA, dentist, plastic surgeon, insurance broker, or real estate broker uses a sales system where five to ten new clients can be added to the business every month. What if that was a possibility? For an attorney, CPA, dentist, plastic surgeon, insurance broker, or real estate broker and his team or her team can add five to ten new clients per month. That's 60 to 120 clients per year. What happens when one company using a sales system methodically and predictably adds 120 new clients per year? Well, the answer is other companies not using a sales system are not adding as many uh, new clients in that year. So that's how you begin grab market share. You grab market share when your company has a method that's predictable to add new clients. And when that other company does not have a method, a sales system, uh, that's predictable to add new clients, that's how you – uh, can beat your competition. So it is a stati- uh, it's statistically rare for one company to add new clients and the other company to also add new clients. You know, it's this. I mean, so when when one company has a method, a great sales system to predictably add new clients, another company, like I said, who does not have, or another company which does not have a predictable method to add new clients. They're not going to add new clients. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's not strange. It's not hard to understand. It's really just a business uh, concept, <laughs> and you can tell when one company is outperforming another company. So let's discuss the psychological uh, things behind the scenes, why it's mentally challenging to contact and prospect for new uh, clients. And I know a lot of people want to know this. I just know it. I know it because I see it all the time. I've heard people um, tell me uh, things. I may even mention it here 
in this uh, you know radio show, I've heard people just say, hey, you know what? I've never been able to do that. And it's been a psychological block. It's been a barrier for people to step out of their comfort zone. And I don't want to get see this. See the three two one sales system is really it's not a motivational. We we don't we don't talk motivation. You know I don't none of the three two one sales system is about pumping people up. It's really it's it's really methodical and it's a sales system and it's perfect for ext, for introverts not extroverts. It's perfect for introverts. And if you become a three two one sales client. I can prove that to you. I can prove that to you scientifically. I can prove it to you by um, citing authors who have said the same thing. And I can tell you from a personal experience, I am an introvert. You may say, well, no, no, there's no way you can be an introvert because we hear you talking and you sound like you know, you're very outgoing. Yeah, I'm outgoing, but I'm also an introvert, and introvert means different things for different people, for different circumstances. So some of the psychology behind the reasons why uh, people feel it's challenging to contact and prospect, uh, let's go through a few. So most white-collar small business owners, number one, do not have the training to contact and prospect. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Most business owners have spent six to 12 years graduating from college, completing certification programs, and mastering their trades. The second item, as children and adults, we were told never to, to discuss money, politics, and religion. Well, contacting and prospecting conversation about money. Uh, selling also has, this, this is the third one, selling has a psychological angle to it. See, there is no psychology qualification to become an attorney, a CPA, a dentist, a plastic surgeon, an insurance broker, or a real estate broker. The person just has to graduate from college, pass the exams and certifications. See, not every white-collar small business owner has the psychological profile to contact and prospect. At first, I believe you can learn it, but not every business owner, just like not every person has the uh, knack or the personality to want to meet everybody. You've seen uh, at the party uh, the social butterfly that just goes out and just meets everybody, and then you may have the um, the wallflower. In many cases, that was me. <laughs> that was me, and, it, and it's still me even today. When I go out in social settings, I'm not that interested in meeting a lot of new people. I'm, I mean, not that I can't. I can because of my training, I can meet new people when I want to, but my natural state is when I'm out, out in public, I'm not that interested in meeting new people. Okay? Now, there is a website called 16personalities.com. That's 16personalities.com, and this website gives people a personality profile after they complete some questions. I recommend every white-collar small business owner – uh, go to 16personalities.com to learn about their individual personality profile. So finally, number four, when it comes to contacting and prospecting, many white-collar small business owners believe this task is beneath their professional standard. I kid you not. A lot of uh, attorneys, CPAs, dentists, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, and real estate brokers believe 
that contacting and prospecting is far below standard of, 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 of how they function and how they see themselves. Now, why should, white, why should a white-collar small business owner need to reach out to people about their legal, accounting, dental, plastic surgery, insurance, or real estate services? Why should they do it? I mean, white-collar small business owners, deep down inside, they feel their credentials should pull clients to their practices. But again, there are thousands of attorneys, CPAs, dentists, not plastic surgeons. There are not a lot of plastic surgeons. I must admit that. There are thousands of insurance brokers and a gazillion realtors. So you, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying there when I, when I talk about and – I, and I see this a lot where you get an attorney. He or she has passed the bar. They have the attorney. They have the Esquire you know, title behind, behind on their business card, attorney at law, you know, a professional corporation, blah, blah, blah. And they get out and about, and they will not contact and prospect people because they say to themselves, well, I'm an attorney. My, my job, the duties that I perform and my service and my uh, connection to the court is far below uh, talking to people about uh, an individual you know, legal matter you know, in public or um, you know, reaching out to people saying hello because I just don't do that because I am an attorney. And a lot of CPAs are like that. You would be surprised at some of the comments I get when I call some white-collar small business owners because let me tell you something, and I'm going to make this perfectly clear. I'm going to speak in the clearest way that I can speak. White-collar small business owners, they are surprised when I give them a call. They are very surprised because when I call a white-collar small business owner, the first question that I ask them because I want to know is, are you looking for more clients? And that is a shocking question to be asked as a white-collar small business owner because the answer is obviously yes. But some business owners do not want to answer that question because as a as a, as, a, as a group of individuals, white-collar business professionals who have great education, who have passed significant exams like the BAR, the CPA certification, dental certification, medical certifications, you know, it, it was supposed to be to them that the more education you have, the more successful you, you are. But somewhere down the line, and it's, I'm not saying that, it's, that it was supposed to be true. I'm just saying somewhere down the line they found out – I'm talking about the white-collar small business owner. They found out that all that education does not translate into finding new customers. All that education does translate into providing the, the product or the service so you can help that person, that client, improve their lives or get out of trouble or look better, or have great you know, financial records. That's what that translates into. So those medical certifications, dental certification classes, the CPA exam, the bar exam, they never talked about the business development side of their, of their industry. They never talked about that with the attorney, CPA, dentist, plastic surgeon, and even the insurance agent, broker, real estate broker. 
No conversations were ever had about business development. I recall talking to a dentist in, in Brooklyn about eight years ago when I was starting uh, 321. It was called something differently then. And I called her. This, she's still a dentist. She has a dental practice on Madison Avenue. And uh, she said, you know what, Rick? My dental professor, and she went to, I want to say she went to uh, Howard University, uh, African-American dentist. She told me that her dental professor told her, the dental professor said, dentist or dental student, when you graduate and you get certified to become a dentist, you're going to be a great dentist. But the one problem that every dentist has when they start and when they open their practice and when they have uh, you know, years down the, down the road, you're going to have challenges with finding patients. And when I called her, she told me that. Back like that, that gave me the, the motivation to start 321BizDev because a lot of white-collar small business owners have told me that. And I do recall a, um, a, uh, a CPA here in Northern California. It was about, I think it was right uh, maybe six or seven years ago, right when I was about to start 321BizDev. I called this uh, CPA in Roseville, California, and it was right uh, before Christmas, but the CPA called me a few days after Christmas. So I met with him like December 28th, one of those weekdays right before New Year's. And I was sitting in his office, and before I left, and we were, we were you know, setting out the terms to do business together, he said, Rick, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. He goes, how do you do what, what you do? And I was like, what? He goes, how, did, how, did, how do you pick up the phone and just call anybody you want to call? And I basically answered the CPA with, well, that's what I did when I was a corporate employee. So long story short, this guy was just astonished that I picked up the phone and, and called him because he said that he could not do that. And this is a guy that was a CPA for 20, 25 years and was in the process of downsizing his CPA practice, laying off people where it was just – him as the principal CPA, another uh, junior CPA, and two office members. He was at one point he had nine people. He was he was downsizing to four. It hurt. It it really hurt his heart that he had to lay off people. But that's what he had to do to survive, and he had to lay off people because he didn't have a sales system in his practice. He was just waiting on people to call him. When there are in Sacramento probably you know, 3,000 CPAs and accounting specialists, accountants that work independently, and if you add in the bookkeepers, another 1,000 people who just do the bookkeeping work. So it was amazing. So, so I want to give you an example in this last portion of the, of the show where white-collar small business owners feel contacting and prospecting is not something they should do. It's, it's not a perfect example, but I believe this example is close enough. 
Have you ever been to a nightclub where people are dancing? Yes or no? Okay, so if you say yes, you know you know what I'm talking about. If you say no, uh, maybe you need to get out more. <laughs> okay, so have you ever seen the fat guy dancing all night with different ladies? I mean, the guy goes to the first few ladies. You know, he's the fat guy. The ladies, oh no, the ladies don't want to dance with him for whatever reason. Maybe they don't want to dance with him because he's a fat guy. So he gets turned down. Then after three ladies turns down the fat guys, the fat guy, he goes to the fourth, fifth, or sixth woman, and and that woman says yes. And that woman is dancing with the fat guy, and she is having a great time dancing on the dance floor. Then after the break, the fat guy, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to ask other ladies to dance. And the majority of the people that – the fat guy asked to dance. The ladies say yes. And um, so what the fat – what does the fat guy know? The fat guy knows that you can't get the dance unless you ask. And the fat guy also knows that um, once he, he gets the experience of asking maybe a little bit differently until he gets it right, then he's going he's to get a majority of, of yeses from uh, the ladies. Now, on the ladies' side… And see, you know, of course, like you said, men are from men are from Mars, women are from Venus, or women are from Venus, men are from Mars. One of those two is a great book. Go pick it up if you haven't read it. See, the thing about the ladies, the ladies are probably sitting there. Well, who's that fat guy? What is he about? He has all those ladies dancing with him. So ladies say, hey, I want to dance with the fat guy too. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just how things work out. <laughs> now contrast the fat guy. With a guy who looks great, who's physically fit, and wears very nice clothes. So this guy, the, 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 the guy that looks great, wears great clothes, who is physically fit, may ask a woman to dance. And if that woman says no, the sharp-dressed man – that's from a song, I guess – may never ask another woman to dance for the rest of the evening. The, the, the attractive guy who's physically fit… He got his feelings hurt, and he's not going to ask hardly any ladies to ever dance. So it is this behavior that coincides with white-collar small business owners who do not feel they need to contact and prospect. Maybe the white-collar small business owner tried it, and, 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 and that potential client said no, and they got their feelings hurt so bad that they never tried it again. See, one thing to know is that the fat guy is not focusing on himself when he asks the, the women to dance. He is focusing on letting the ladies have a good time on the dance floor. The sharp-dressed man, again from a song, cares only about his image. Well, I'm physically fit. I'm dressed well. You know, I'm attractive. So therefore, you know, all the ladies should say yes when I ask them to dance. And how could those ladies tell me no? Can't they see how good I look in my clothes? So I've seen this a hundred times in the club. Like I mentioned, um, maybe I didn't mention it, but I used to be a club DJ in San Francisco. And I used to, I used to see the, the fat guy or someone who is less attractive than the sharp-dressed man dance all the time, dance all night, dance with all the ladies. And then I would see the sharp-dressed man go up and ask a few ladies. They would say no, and then 
that sharp dressed man would just be a wallflower for the rest of the night. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. So, you know, I had another CPA story I got to tell you about. I had another San Francisco CPA that thanked me for calling his office five times before I spoke with him. And then he complimented me on my voicemail. So this guy, he was like, man, this guy, Rick, is calling me like five times. And the CPA was legitimately busy. He said, he said, Rick, I was so busy. I couldn't take your call, but I heard all your voicemails. And every voicemail you left me was so professional. So on the sixth call, when I called him, he asked me what could he do for me? What did, what did I want to talk about? He was very professional. And that's when he said, hey, Rick, you know what? His, his business was not a good fit. Uh, for, for my services, but this guy, I, I would refer this guy a customer any day, and if I picked up the phone right now and called him, he would remember me. So as you may begin to see now, a sales system is not a technique but more a mindset. Yes, a sales system has a strategy, but more so a sales system is a study of human behavior. It's a It's a way to look at human behavior and how to maximize uh, your energy, maximize the effort that you put out to add new clients. So as I mentioned in the example with the dancing fat guy, a sales system does not put emphasis on the white-collar small business owner's skill, talent, and expertise. Okay, A sales system, especially 321 sales system, it puts our, our sales system puts us now that is huge. Now, if you haven't heard something like that before, you may not hear something like that again, because I will tell you 99.9% of like personal development, business development. Just look at the word personal development. It's all about developing your personality. And if you develop your personality, then you you reach out to small business owners. You haven't been trained to um, learn how to connect with the other person because personal development, all the work and study and, and, and training and, you know, and, uh, and you know, yoga <laughs> that you've put into yourself has just been for you. Uh, many small business owners have not put any time and effort training and focus on the prospect, on the consumer. See, a sales system is purposed on delivering a great sales experience to the prospect so that the prospect can become a client. Now, in more detail, and I'm going to give you some great bullet points right now as we close the radio show today. How does the white-collar small business owner beat the competition? Now, here are the details, and these details make up the six-hour 321 sales system and business development program. Okay, so here are the bullet points. I'm not going to give them numbers. I'm just going to rattle them off one by one. The white collar small business owner contacts and prospects when competitors will not. The white collar small business owner is friendlier when when the comp, when the white collar small business owner is friendlier when the competition is not friendlier at all. The white-collar small business owner smiles when in public places when the competition does not smile in public places. The white-collar small business owner 
introduces himself or herself in public places when the competition does not want to be noticed. The white-collar small business owner converts strangers into new friends when the competition avoids people. The white-collar small business owner gives out his or her business cards and asks for the friend's contact information when the competition does not. The white-collar small business owner has a professional prospect interview approach at the appointment when the competition when the competitions <laughs> when the competition stumbles and looks disorganized. Hey, I'm doing this at 5:30 in the morning, folks. The white-collar small business owner started the relationship when he or she first made contact with the prospect when the competition is starting the relationship cold. Meeting the prospect for the first time maybe on social media or maybe through website marketing. So this particular bullet point means that uh, white-collar small business owners who initiate the relationship from the contacting and the prospecting stages are far better than someone who picks up the phone and finds a person. You know, Maybe that person found you on the website. Maybe the person out of the blue actually called you from a social media post, which is rare. So now that contact has you on the phone. You're kind of at a loss if you have not started that conversation. Now, can you come out of that 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 cold meeting the for the meeting the prospect for the first time in a, in a good way? Yes, three, two, one can help you with that. But you have to be very strategic. You have to turn that com- that cold type um, first conversation into something warm and friendly quickly. And we can help you do that. But we prefer white-collar small business owners um, uh, be, you know, start the relationship with the contacting and prospecting phase. So let's continue. The white-collar small business owner uh, does not product pitch when the competition makes product pitching a priority. The white-collar small business owner does not necessarily need to ask for the business because the prospect is more willing uh, to become a new client, but the competition has to beg for the business and may not add the prospect as a new client. The white-collar small business owner is showered with referrals from the now new client when the competition not only did not add the new client, the prospect who said no has no intention of referring uh, friends, family, and colleagues to the competition. So duplicate what I just said through your office through your sales organization and be consistent. And the only outcome will be that your company will beat the competition in addition to any other type of marketing uh, strategies already in place. So what I just read is an abbreviated version of the six-hour 321 sales training. If you are a white-collar small business owner and today's show addresses a concern or situation that you are going through right now, please do not hesitate to call me at 833-321-3212 or internationally using WhatsApp at country code 1-415-515-6760 to see if the 321 BizDev LLC uh, system can help you find a winning solution. So I want to end the show today and thank you very much for listening and check out other episodes of the White Collar Sales Pro Show. Make it a great day, and thanks.